with all the noise in the world? Do you hear the voice of God? Your calendar tells you what to do, but do you remember who you are? Being comes before doing. This is a call to put first things first. Return to the Lord with this daily pattern of prayer and devotion. Set aside this time as a sanctuary. Find a space free of distraction and follow this pattern. I'm Jeff Clater, here again with J.G. John Groff. We are in the sanctuary of historic Messiah Lutheran Church at Grand and Pestalozzi in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. It's Wednesday, and the focus is my daily callings. This winter on The Daily Pattern, we're in a series called One Word. Each day will take one word, a feeling or circumstance, and bring a word from God to it. Let the word of God speak to your life. Making the sign of the cross, I say, O God, I have much to do today. I cannot fulfill all my responsibilities without divine assistance. You have given me purpose. You have called me to important work. And so I commence my work only by your name, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite my Lord into this time, into this space. Lord Jesus, you are the vine. I am a branch. Apart from you, I can do nothing. Stay with me. I want to abide in you and bear fruit with my life. my 
I confess my sins. Lord, there is much in me that needs reform. O gracious God, remove my guilt and pollution. Restore all that I have spoiled. Wash away my sin, but not simply to leave a vacant space. Fill my forgiven heart with sacred gifts and a holy compulsion to do your will. Form me into the likeness of Jesus. Wipe clear a clean slate and then mark it with holy handwriting. Redeem my unworthiness that you may be glorified in my being. I would be nothing. Be thou all in all. Amen. Our reading today is from John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. Our meditation today is on the word grief by Paul Dickerson. Sometimes I wonder if, as a society, we've forgotten how to grieve. It's not that we don't have reasons to grieve. There are plenty of those, large and small, personal and public. And it's not that we don't experience grief. I can't think of a person older than four who hasn't experienced grief at some point. No, I'm more curious about how we handle grief when it comes. And both my own experience and walking with others who are grieving tells me that we treat grief like an emotional band-aid. Best to rip it off quickly and move on just as fast. That it's okay to grieve, but not too long and not too much. And certainly not too publicly. And in the rush to get past grief, to make it better and just move on to happier thoughts, or at least make those around us feel less uncomfortable at our grief, I wonder if we've forgotten how to grieve. As I wonder if us as a church, we have forgotten how to grieve. I remember as a kid in Sunday school or vacation Bible school singing, I've got the joy of Jesus, joy of Jesus down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And of course, there were verses for love and peace and hope, but I never remember a verse about grief. I've got the grief of Jesus, the grief of Jesus down in my heart. I'll admit it's not as catchy, but perhaps if we want to be more like Jesus, we need to remember how to grieve. John chapter 11, verse 35, our reading today, says Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, so perhaps some context would be helpful. A few days earlier, Jesus learned that his friend Lazarus was sick. But Jesus, the guy who healed the blind and the lame, waits until Lazarus dies to show up. And so when Jesus arrived, Lazarus' sister Mary and Martha not so subtly point out that if Jesus had come earlier, Lazarus would still be alive. And in response, Jesus gives one of the most shareable lines in the Bible. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
That's in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. It's a statement of hope in the face of grief, life in the face of death, and it gives a clue as to what Jesus is about to do. But then Jesus sees Mary weeping, and he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And when he approaches Lazarus's tomb, he weeps. And a third time, John says to Jesus, was deeply moved. And then finally, Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man is alive again. So what's going on here? Doesn't Jesus know what's going to happen? Doesn't he know that Lazarus will live again? After all, he has just promised that very thing to Mary and Martha. Why does Jesus weep? I don't know. Aside from the obvious grief over the death of his friend, John doesn't tell us why Jesus weeps. He doesn't reconcile the hope and promise of life with Jesus' tears. But it's fascinating to me that the tears come after the promise. That it would seem hope and grief are not mutually exclusive, but rather commingled in Jesus. He is, after all, the one who bears our griefs and carries our sorrows. We hear that in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 and 5. And if Jesus can grieve over Lazarus, perhaps I can learn to grieve too. Not as something to get through as quickly as possible and move on, and not as something to be ashamed of or as the opposite of hope and joy. But perhaps I can learn to grieve fully precisely because of all of the full and certain hope that I have in the one who called Lazarus from the tomb. And I know that one day he'll call my name too. We pray. Jesus, you know my hurts and my griefs. Help me not to bury them, but instead to bring them to you. Hear my cry and fill me with hope, even in the midst of grief. Amen. Oh Lord, you have given me daily callings, responsibilities, tasks, important work to do. Lord, these are God-given, and so I ask you for your guidance in my daily callings. Oh Lord, for my occupation. Lord, for growth in my career. For my callings at home, as spouse or son or daughter or brother or sister. Lord, I pray for my work, whatever it may be, that it's good for others and that it's an extension of your love and care. Lord, I pray for my work, that it's not a paycheck, but it's for you. It's not for comfort, but it's to be useful to others. So, Lord, I pray, no profit, no pride, no prestige, just work that is good for you and for others. Lord, I pray for the unemployed, those who lack meaningful work. I pray for those who lack direction. Lord, I pray for discernment, that if you want me to pursue another calling, another task, that you would make that clear and irrefutable, for I want to serve you, Lord. You are the vine. I am a branch. I can do nothing apart from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.